Welcome to the Money Wise Women Show, brought to you by MoneyMorphosis.com. Are you ready to be inspired to upgrade your financial skills? Listen to feminine leaders sharing practical advice and valuable insights. Shift your money mindset, improve communication skills, and learn financial management tips. Although we do not provide investment advice, you can check out MoneyMorphosis.com. That's money morphosiscom to find simple ways to boost your true wealth. Hello, this is Crystal Arnold, your hostess of the Money Wise Women Show and founder of Money Morphosis. Happy New Year. It's our first show of 2017. And I wanted to begin by um, just speaking to some of the very real financial struggle that um, so many in my generation uh, as a millennial, I was born in 1981, um, are, are facing. It's just um, incredible the amount of not only student loan debt, but also the way that financial wealth has been consolidated in our country in the hands of the 1% has made a very challenging uh, financial landscape for people my age who are coming into um, this economy with fewer job opportunities, greater debt, and uh, less financial stability. And what I've seen again and again as I do workshops with people around money and work uh, with private financial coaching clients is so many people uh, personalize this struggle and think it's their fault and something's wrong with them and, you know, really internalize that pain and, uh, and really keep it hidden with um, the shame they feel, the guilt they feel that they can't pay off their loans or aren't succeeding financially, um, and, and the fear about their financial future. I just read um, a report from last month that talked about how extreme this is. And because I'm a, an economist, I'll just give you a few numbers because it's so um, dramatic. Um, so today, the top 1% in America take home more than the 20% uh, of all you take home more than 20% of all U.S. income. Um, so the bottom 50% are only earning 12% of the total income of America. And millennials like me only have a 50% likelihood of earning more money than their parents did. There was some new research from the Equal uh, Equality of Opportunity Project last month, and they say children's prospects of achieving the American dream of earning more than their parents have fallen from 90% to over to only 50% in the last half century. So, just wanted to speak to some of that pain and suffering that um, really many Americans of all ages are feeling. And um, this is why I am so excited to have the insights of um, our guest today, Suzanne Lorenz, who um, has, has an, had an incredible career of supporting people. Um, she retired three years ago, uh, but before that she was a licensed clinical social worker in private, private practice for 20 years in Northern California specializing in trauma and substance abuse. And her and her husband uh, continue to own three businesses in California. And they've authored two books, which are incredible resources for our listeners. The first is Wealth and Wellbeing, How Therapists, Counselors, and Helping Professionals Can Assist Clients Through the Emotional Barriers to Financial Independence. And then also the Wealth and Wellbeing Workbook, Overcoming Barriers to Financial Independence. And she continues to coach people on how emotions affect their money habits and on uncovering and releasing their old myths about money. And I feel like the insights from Suzanne and her wisdom 
are becoming more and more important because we are seeing challenging financial uh, conditions here in America. And so it's with great pleasure uh, I introduce uh, Suzanne Lorenz and would love to open with the question of what you find most exciting and satisfying in your work with helping people with money. Thanks, Crystal. Thank you so much for inviting me, and I'm so we're so happy and uh, excited about your efforts to contribute to our knowledge base and our uh, for women and uh, and your knowledge about money. So um, very privileged and honored to be here. So thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I uh, didn't I didn't start out being uh, as excited about money. Uh, um, it was always uh, something that was uh, a, a puzzlement to me. And um, since I was born in the generation of, uh, I was born in 1949. So uh, for, for my women, uh, for my generation of women and above, you know, our dominant message was to be dependent on a man. So that's really how, I was raised to not think of myself in that way. So when I began my career uh, in uh, social work, I had just been uh, had been coming out of a very severe uh, divorce and um, had to basically start over. And um, so I started working with women and children in the battered women's shelter in the late 80s. Um, this really helped me to um, understand my commitment to women and children who had been abused and also to um, begin to be curious about um, substance abuse as well. And the things that held women back as I was going through my own struggles to break free from those thought, old thought mythologies and thought patterns. So in helping other women, especially women who had been battered and abused, it was helpful for me to begin to navigate my own way out of uh out of that thought thought those thought patterns mm. i'm not i'm I'm not sure if that exactly answered your question, but that's how it started yeah that is um it's so powerful. I've I've heard so many stories of people who stay in abusive situations and women who stay with those partners because of their financial dependence on them. Um, so I can imagine how one working with that population led you to see the the power of getting more empowered with money. Yes, it's often the mm. case that uh, that just is. Uh, it's a blind spot, and um, of course, trauma always uh, triggers those kinds of that kind of fear and unclarity. As I think in a macro system, that's certainly happening to us as a culture right now. Mm. So, what challenges and common patterns do you see in women who are struggling with their money mindset? Well, I think you mentioned it in, in your first introduction. Uh, first of all, we have to overcome our own, whatever generation we were born, we're still living in patriarchal culture. We have to overcome our own learned messages, uh, whether it's from women of my generation above who, who, uh, had to, who've had to understand uh, breaking through the cultural um, mythology that we are, in fact, uh, dependent um, I have to always reflect that my mom was born before women had the right to vote, and we all know that that history. That uh, when you're in a servitude position in society, it's very difficult to um, change that. And then, for uh, as women get more aware, and it's almost in some ways worse because as your generation and uh, below uh, or above, whatever there is a sort of um, shock that even as you're, as we are more educated, as we are more aware, as we're more conscious, that the society still doesn't, um, doesn't support us in that. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. It really is. Um, and I find a lot of women, uh, female entrepreneurs, are like hiding their magnificence and their brilliant gifts. Um, and there is this sense of playing small to stay safe. Um, as an entrepreneur, I've really seen that theme. Um, well, that's, that's I'm curious. Really in some ways, that makes yes. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? If we are taught that um, you know, fear is, yes. Go ahead. If we're taught that fear in that fear in our fear reactions that we are to shrink, then the natural kind of physiological physiological response is to either fear or flight, fight, fight or flight. Right. So um, it's it's understandable at a survival level, but as a, a an actual living uh, <laughs> embracement, it, it isn't always that useful. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Right. Oh, no. It's, uh, yeah, it's a fascinating point that it's uh, often blocking people from marketing themselves or sharing, you know, what they have to offer that's so valuable. Um, you know, and because of your specialization and, um, you know, really working with people with um, substance abuse. I'm curious, how does the psychology of addiction relate to people's relationship with money? Well, that's a great question. And um, uh, it's probably a longer answer than we have time here, but I do have um, some reflections that might be useful. Um, Generally, when a person experiences a any kind of change, um, they, it's a, the, some stressors happen. And compulsivity is, as well as anxiety. So compulsivity is a result of that stress and anxiety. So often, and also we have our, um, we have our tendency to be, have, uh, to be able to be susceptible to that in some, uh, some populations. So, so we often do, uh, process addictions uh, to alleviate that stress. Compulsive shopping is a perfect example of that. A compulsive eating, um, even compulsive miserliness, it's it, 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 in, uh, and a possibly under earning. So there, when it comes to um, as well as using actual substances, alcohol, uh, prescription meds, anything. There's a tendency when one is anxious and stressful, stressed out, to want to calm that down with a process addictions or actual chemicals. Um, but, of course, it's exactly the opposite. What happens is that we are then uh, more, uh, less alert, uh, less present, less conscious. And, um, and, and as with all addiction, um, we are not present, uh, not clear to our own goals and and uh, values. Mm. Right, I could see also, like um, you know, as far as eating disorders as uh, related to money, you know, that that sense that anorexics want to be in control and just how tightly they control their if they're food and then bulimics, of course, we can see that in the binge and purge people who, you know, way overspend and then go into, um, you know, total, uh, uh, what's it called? Just, um, fear because they've, they've overspent and don't want to look at their budget. So I can see how, you know, money really does tap into those control issues for people and, and how to feel security, right? Absolutely. Money follows that same, the, the uh, unconscious use of, of spending uh, absolutely does fit into that, those categories. So um, anybody, we've just gone through one of our worst, <laughs> well, I mean, seasons as far as spending because it's, not only uh, the anxiety of, of often the stress of the season, but also the ma- a massive amount of pressure to spend. And um, I don't know about anyone else, but I know I'm still triggered if I go into uh, any particular store of my 
quote-unquote choice and see a red tag sale, I literally get physiologically triggered. So, um, and that's a distraction. And I think that's the whole point of all of addictions and all process addictions as well as actual physical addictions is that we get distracted from our real goals and our, our real power. So in essence, we give over our power to the substance or to the process addiction. Mm. Let's talk a little bit more about the under-earning because I know that applies to a lot of uh, my audience who are younger entrepreneurs and uh, who may be caught in that cycle of not confident to really speak up and say their worth and charge what they're worth. Do you have any advice for people who are caught up in that under-earning? Well, I think it is all part of a similar pattern, but this is just um, uh, and and there are programs for that, and also certainly a lot of literature um, out out there to to uh, educate oneself about it. But I would say my sense is it's a form of hiding that um, under earning is a way to stay out of the radar and. Um, I mean, it's it's a bigger issue, but that's just my initial thoughts. That um, it it it's surprisingly um, difficult to be successful. <laughs> it takes a lot of allowing, and um, and it's uh, under earning is a way to kind of hide from that um, and be uh, unobtrusive, as well as, of course. Um, it's it's scary to be present and out in the open with one's success and one's power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, so fascinating as I talk to feminine leaders who are defining success on their own terms because this manufactured story of the mainstream of what financial success is what, you know, how many children and houses and cars you should have um, is just, uh, I feel like, really limiting to people's overall satisfaction with life and acceptance of their um, their own position and willingness to, um, you know, maybe take a leap into being self-employed. There's really a lot of pressure from the mainstream, and I find that as people redefine what success is and um, and really what wealth is, you know, in the true yes. wealth template I've created, there's not only financial wealth, there's inner wealth, relational and environmental. And to see a more holistic picture and to not just feel like a failure and a disappointment because the financial wealth isn't quite there yet is important, I think. Don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one reason we, ha- we called our book book Wealth and Wellbeing, not because what we, we, we and I certainly believe wealth in, includes so many other emotional components as well as um, the actual accumulation of goods, which is fine, but of course not the whole deal <laughs> for true happiness and mm-hmm. love and yeah. So tell me a little bit more about what approaches you have found that are most effective for improving our relationship with money. Okay, great. Thanks. Um, well, I would say for clarity and for uh, our uh, my own sense of understanding, I, I really had to understand what did I learn as, as I was growing up. So I uh, think like most people, we, we, we are repeaters. So we repeat the thoughts and behaviors and habits that were taught to us by our caregivers. It could be parents. It could be, you know, a community that brought, taught us. It could be uh, institutions. But, but we all have uh, learned patterns that we function under and believe are true. <laughs> That's the best way I can, can describe it. So I had to do quite a bit of uh, searching into, well, what were my learned patterns? And how did my parents believe, uh, what did my parents think about money and uh, wealth? And uh, I grew up in a blue-collar home, so uh, the values, and it was very religious. 
so those values were absolutely clear. The man was the head of the house. Um, you know, there was a lot of patriarchal as far as my the God God was was a man and my church was a man and mm-hmm. you know so uh, there was a lot of messages about that and I if I did my best work uh, as a child a female child I would find someone to take care of me uh, and that person was a male so that was just very traditional in the 50s it was a very traditional so I had to really look at those patterns and see well wait a minute what what do I want so that was I think that's a really important thing to be able to have to, to explore. Um, um, second, as I began to understand uh, my own sense of uh, who I was and what I wanted and what I valued, I need, I felt the need that I think it's really important to tell the truth about your money. Um, wherever you are, however much you have or don't have to begin to write down everything you spend and everything you earn so that you are uh, conscious. So doing that was very useful um, to write down everything I was spending and earning, even though it was difficult uh, at first. It was enlightening. So uh, it's the same, almost the same as when when one starts a journal and you start writing those thoughts and you think, oh, is that that's how I feel? Or when we have a heart to heart conversation with someone we really trust, a, a good friend, we go, oh, that's how. That's the truth of what I feel, and that's so. That was really important, and from that, those that truth, you see what kind of patterns and how you're spending your money. So um, that's helpful and sometimes painful. And then I'd say determining what your values are. Uh, so once you become aware of how, that's what that's what was what I needed to do. So I needed to be able to say, okay, what do I really value? What's important to me? Um, I'm spending at the time before I did all, started this search and this uh, reflection, uh, I was spending a lot of money on, um, you know, compulsive shopping. Um, and uh, I, that, I didn't really value that. I valued many other things. And so you begin to see how what your behaviors and how your values are uh, different that cognitive dissonance that happens with awareness so um and then just keeping in this similar and educating myself going to support groups um interacting with other people of like mind so that i could begin to um continue with a practice that began to work paying off all debts i mean that was a big part of it uh not not having the credit card and, um, you know, just telling the truth. I did, I'd spent that, I owed that, I pay that in, in, in my terms, not theirs. Hmm. So powerful. I love how you broke it into those three aspects because it really is, um, an incredibly, um, well, it's, it's things that aren't taught to us, you know. That's really what I'm amazed right. at is how little financial education we're given or, you know, ability to self-reflect or speak about money. Um, so I'm curious, like, what outcomes do people get, do you see as people start to take steps with these approaches? In general, I, myself and others that I work with, it's phenomenal. Um, it begins, a slow shift begins to happen where um, in some way money becomes less valuable but more of a means than an end. And um, particularly after uh, having success paying off debts, which I've had that experience of being indebted to, again, a corporation which, you know, began to go against my values meaning the credit card companies. And um, so step by step through goal setting and vision planning and values clarification, using all those buzzwords, but it's true, um, began to have uh, accumulate more education and sense about money and then had it work for me as, as versus against me. So uh, not being in debt, being able to uh, plan out, my spending plan, um, 
using a, a, a I like to say a life plan. That's, that's one of the, the biggest things that I've seen in myself and others is once you understand that it's not a budget, which is restrictive, you know, like a diet, similar, uh, but mm-hmm. a life plan, it's a map for your life. What are you doing? And how is money supporting those values? And again, it doesn't mean uh, excessive riches or what, however you want to say it, uh, accumulative wealth, uh, accumulative money. Um, but I certainly mm-hmm. believe money is a symbol, as you know, as many people have said. So being able to live a life that's, um, that's abundant in all ways. And so, yes, I've seen mm-hmm. this work over and over and over again, not only with myself, we were able to retire with abundant, abundant retirement, and we didn't have the traditional uh, pension. This had nothing. When we started this work when I was in my 40s, uh, so uh, and have accumulated uh, quite a quite a a rich life in all ways, and particularly in being able to have the freedom to um, live my values. And not worry um, about my security, which is one of my values. Mm. So this really goes into something that we'll be covering in the upcoming Find Your Money Voice course, which Suzanne is a guest faculty on. And we'll be talking some about um, basically conscious retirement planning and um, so I am so fascinated because people my age I've, I've been talking to recently are just beginning to, to wonder about what that will look like and how to prepare for that. And so I'm curious, you know, how can financial planning for the future be in alignment with our values? Well, I can only uh, say my experience as well as what I, the wisdom I've, I've gained from other people who have done, uh, who have created a, a successful retirement, as well as, you know, educating myself about it. And um, I, I think the best, and I've, I've seen this in your um, shows and in your literature, the, the, what you write is the best way I can preface that is just to really visualize your inner elder, how, when you, for those people who have children and how much care and love they give to their children and how much planning and um, how much they, uh, how much parents or single parents or double parents um, have hopes for their children um, to the, if it's money, how do they uh, plan to send them to college or to get in a career? So I would say have the equal amount of love and planning for your inner elder. Uh, who, how do you want to take care of your inner elder as you get older? And how can that be possible? And um, I'd say that it isn't always necessarily the traditional. I know when people talk about retirement planning, they generally go to insurance companies and they say a chart says, well, you're going to live to this long and you have to have, you know, millions and millions of dollars. And it's very discouraging. It's very discouraging most of the literature, but there are many alternative literature that, that helps you to understand alternate ways to um, plan for retirement, both financially as well as emotionally. Um, it's a huge shift, and uh, things are changing in the world all the time. Um, so we plan for our retirement like a business. We're kind of serial business people. I love business, and I love opening businesses we have currently we have had and have currently have had over five businesses and we currently have uh, three active businesses that are part of our passive income which is part of how we planned for our retirement and uh, we retreat we decided to treat our retirement like a business so we created a business plan and a uh, business spending plan and which because our values are intricately woven in with uh, our decisions about how we handle money, we uh, got uh, made sure we had trust our trusted servants, meaning trusted people like our team. We got we gathered our team, mm-hmm. like 
trusted lawyers, trusted accountants, trusted, uh, you know, uh, financial advisors, and made sure that they were part of our plan. And then, of course, um, decided how we were going to fund it. And again, I said, like I said, we did not have a traditional pension, so we looked at all areas. That's one of the reasons we wrote the book, looking for passive income. And uh, with the help of, 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 of support groups and support people and all of our trusted advisors, uh, we came up with a plan. And it worked. <laughs> it was amazing. It worked. Not only did it work, but um, through unusual life, wonderful universe uh, happenings, we've actually started, we, earned, we began to earn more in our retirement than we had even imagined we would. So we're making almost twice as much in our retirement just through unusual um, things that, that, that occur that you can't plan. Mm. Oh, I love that. It's like to plan and then allow it to be better than you could even imagine, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that and, is so great. Uh, go ahead. No, I was saying it, it, it does take work because it's a, it's a the messages out there are very fear driven you know we're we're especially now we're living in a pretty fear fear mongering fear driven society but you know that's to my in my experience it's not a real uh helpful way to live because it's so constrictive you know fear and is is constrictive but living in a some kind of a uh plan or a, a faith driven uh and i don't i don't mean i mean that in a spiritual way not in a religious way necessarily but mm-hmm. that's possible for people um that that can free up that energy so that you don't uh, begin to uh try to control what what you think you know or don't know when you, we really don't i mean who could have predicted this election not me <laughs> mm. right yeah and it's it's so important for people to be realistic and self-reflective because i feel like there's a lot of people either on the polar well, that fear can either can create a lot of people to do this like spiritual bypass like I'll just say some affirmations and stop ignoring my you know mounting debt and it's like we need a rational approach with practical steps and to really uh, yeah look at the long-term situation I know there's a lot of baby boomers who have you know spent a lot of their 401ks paying for their kids college and are are going to have trouble going into the future, and there's a lot of kind of systemic economic uh, challenges that really require us to um, be mindful, basically, of, of what is most valuable so that we can, you know, whether it's simplifying our lives and really looking at where money is le- leaking out or um, or being willing to to really take an honest assessment of what we're spending and earning and what that looks like. So I feel that that courage for each one of us, you know, we're here to encourage you listeners to have have that um, uh, take an honest look and, and reflect on yourself in this new year. It's a great time to uh, to do that and really set your priorities for moving forward. Um, So we'll continue this conversation. We're just going to take a minute break, and then we'll be right back uh, with Suzanne Lorenz to talk a little bit more about why um, talking about money and, uh, you know, having support is so important and, and also a great practice to get some more financial awareness. We'll be right back. Do you get choked up and flushed talking about money? Don't let fear and shame stop you from sharing your value. Speak up, sister. Find out how to boost your financial communication skills at www.findyourmoneyvoice.com. Perhaps you're like Gwen, a budding, creative entrepreneur who wants to provide for her family, but she has a tough time expressing her needs. She chronically undercharges and lays awake at night with money stress. With Crystal's Find Your Money Voice training, she found renewed confidence speaking her self-worth. Transform beliefs, behaviors, and skills with money. With greater clarity and focus, 
Gwen more confidently negotiated solid agreements and increased her business earnings with the trainings found at findyourmoneyvoice.com. Welcome back. We are here with Suzanne Lorenz, who will be a guest faculty on our upcoming Find Your Money Voice course. And, you know, we were discussing some of the very real financial challenges that many Americans are facing and um, also some approaches which can help you feel more empowered with your own finances. And so I'd like to start just Um, You know, I feel like resilience is going to be very important um, in these shifting financial, political um, circumstances in our country. And for people who don't know, resilience is really our ability to respond intelligently to change and to not just react and to have the capacity to, to bounce back better than before. And so um, I, I think this is really important as we um, are going through a transformational period to look at how to cultivate inner resilience and um, also on a system level. So I'm curious, Suzanne, what have you, you seen in all of these people you've worked with as a social worker who have under experienced trauma and really challenging situations? What creates resilience in an in individuals so that they can bounce back effectively? Well, you know, it's a journey. So, you know, we're used to quick, quick fixes, but it's generally a journey and depending on the person's experience and what they have experienced, whether um, they've experienced some amazing uh, parenting, which told them about how to how to organize and manage money, which is very unusual, or if they've had um, an experience with trauma and childhood trauma or um, stress, depending on you know again how how a person is is a, a gen- genetically uh, their their nature versus nurture is what I'm trying to say. So in mm-hmm. my experience. Um, it's clarity and a plan and um, mm-hmm. so clarity and really to the best of your ability uh, figuring out what's true and that is not an easy task and I, I, I don't I rarely have met anyone who does it alone um, it's just we're too much of community and um, collaborative as human beings to figure out what's true completely by ourselves. Uh, I think we're in too influenced. So, uh, but finding ways to be, get clear. And there's, if, if it's trauma that's stopping your clarity, which is completely understandable since it's, um, it affects so much of how we see the world in a clear way or if it's substance abuse or uh, compulsive uh, behaviors or even who we hang around with. Uh, I know I'm very susceptible to uh, others' opinions. So if I don't engage in my um, trusted support groups and my friends who are like-minded, it's very easy to begin to believe, well, the 6 o'clock news, for instance, or... Uh, somebody who has some toxic view of, of the world. So I would say getting clarity and then definitely a plan. I, I'm, I'm with you about that. Um, we, we have to have, and whatever way you call a plan. I've, I'm a visual and a kind of creative person, so my plan, I, I see it as a map, um, kind of a way to find direction through a a road I don't understand and so I need something to follow or it could just be uh, your um, goal setting I mean they're they're the same basically depending on who you are and how you do that but definitely having uh, a plan that you can follow that fits with your uh, values 
So it doesn't help to have a plan if the plan is externally, like our external locus of control that says um, something that isn't useful, that says you have to have $5 million to retire. It may be true, but it isn't really useful because it's fear-driven. So, um, and then what's been really useful for me is to be around people who have bounced back. And um, mm. I've had so much, I've had a, a, such a, a privilege to be able to see people I talk to and clients that I've worked with finding health, healing from trauma, um, being able to tell the truth about um, their, their abuse situation and, um, and moving forward, um, moving forward in faith and bouncing back from loss, which is a debilitating, uh, debilitating um, thing that happens that throws people off and not, not mm. fully understanding how grief needs to be expressed and um, with, with someone else generally and going through uh, whatever grieving process they have, whether it's a, a person or a situation or a belief system that they really held dear to their heart and realize, oh, wow, that's not true anymore. I have to let that go. And, um, and then allowing themselves to go through that grief process of denial, bargaining, you know, angers, depression, and then acceptance. And again, I, I would strongly say we have to do this with other people, other women, preferably. I mean, that's, you know, those who we trust. And um, uh, so that is how I see people bouncing back with a clarity, mm. clear, a plan, and, and, made, and, and support. Hmm. I love that it engages like both our mental and emotional capacities to create what we want and how crucial connection with other people and as women with other women who are able to hold the space of acceptance and healing and um, just really looking at you know, I've heard it described as almost an abusive economy, the way our extractive yes. economy has impacted people psychologically. And I think that's that's so accurate because I've heard the suffering of so many people and they're ashamed and they feel guilty and like it's their fault. And uh, and so I think we are all, all need to heal from that and, and express and connect with other people. Um, would you like to talk briefly anymore? Um, well, yeah, anything else you'd like to say about the role of trauma and our ability to prosper? Yes, I, I think this is really important because I think we've just, we are, have just and are going through a, a, a national trauma. So, but let me not focus on that. I, I do want to say something because I think it's really important and it, it, it attests to what you were saying that it's, it's, a, it's not our fault that this is a normal reaction. So I'm just going to, I'll talk more about this on, uh, on the, um, the, the teaching part of their next event, but I, I just want to briefly say that trauma holds us to the past and in fear. So um, just without being too technical, but for those of you who work with trauma, you, you, you will identify with this, but we have a part of our brain called the amygdala that holds our emotions and our fears. It's an actual physiological part of our brain. And when we've experienced trauma of any kind, it could be a car accident or a minor, or it could be devastating um, sexual or physical abuse, it, it registers in that part of our brain because it's, a, it's the part that is ultimately trying to, to get, keep us to survive. But it's also where memories are stored. And oftentimes if we can't, if we aren't in the process of healing that or we don't have awareness about it, um, then we literally can get triggered at any time. And that triggering causes a sort of flashing back to a time when we experience fear. And it's not like flashing back to a movie, although sometimes that happens, like 
you know, but it's not like that kind of flashback, but you emotionally get flashbacks. So fear is debilitating, very difficult to be conscious through fear. So um, it's important that everyone learns what their fear triggers are. And I think, um, and how we can get grounded and be able to feel um, safe and able to be consciously in the here and now so that can, we can continue to be um, present. And another part of trauma is that dissociation that happens. And um, for many people, that dissociation isn't uh, uh, just uh, blanking out, but it uh, manifests in compulsive behaviors like spending and sex and eating. Um, uh, for anyone who is not familiar with dissociation, we all do it. Um, one of the classic examples is driving down the freeway and all of a sudden you realize, hey, I don't even remember driving this five miles. So it's a kind of process that our brain goes through. But with trauma, it's um, a little more severe and because we uh, are literally dis- dissociated from our present self and our present mind. And the last thing I just want to say about it, and this was a helpful thing that someone I uh, worked with at the a women's center, battered women's shelter, uh, many years ago, who created this little analogy, and uh, that is what post-traumatic stress is broken down as post after a traumatic or terrible event happens, where we experience extreme powerlessness and hopelessness. We had stress, which is also anxiety. And that interfered with our life, which is the disorder. So um, I'm glad you asked that because I think it's really important, not only personally, I mean, if you've ever experienced any kind of trauma, but also (laughs) nationally um, and uh, to understand how we can begin to ground ourselves uh, with, uh, by speaking to others and having our community uh, and security uh, strong. Hmm. And one suggestion I have for listeners is um, think about a money trauma that you have experienced and uh, just journal for it for five or ten minutes uh, nonstop. Don't stop your pen. And uh, if you get stuck, just um, come back to money trauma and just really um, reflect on how that impacts your life now and I've been amazed at just um, acknowledging and identifying these things which may be losing money in in some way or you know um, whatever thing it was I'm sure it'll come to you Um, but I really encourage people to reflect on that because it's often not two words that are put together we think much more of financial or uh, emotional or physical trauma but there's also financial trauma um, and and if you'd like to share a practice now, um, Suzanne, about maybe how people can more consciously, um, you know, create fiscal sol- solvency, um, that would be excellent. Well, I, I mentioned it before, but it's it's my way that I ground myself every day, and that is, I um, have a spending plan that I look at every day. I look at my bank account every day. Every day I'm conscious of what money's coming in and what money's going out. And I don't think I think of this every day consciously, but uh, is there something that's jarring my value system? In other words, um, I've, done, I've been doing this so long that that would have to really, that would have to really stand out. Um, and um, that uh, am I on track with my goals? And um, for example, I'll give you an example uh, in my in my spending plan, which again I call that my life plan. Um, as my husband and I are getting older, you know our bodies need more care. <laughs> I thought, you know, you just fall apart. And so um, I've we've switched our health category to um, put more money into health and uh, taking it from another category. Um, that we aren't using as behaviorally, um, you know, that is as important or on my value scale. And so that's been useful because um, I 
uh, I want to be healthy, and health, unfortunately, in this country costs a lot of money. And um, so it's been useful to switch and uh, sort of flow that money from one category to another, as well as travel, which we both really enjoy. So we've um, taken, we've changed our categories around so that um, we have more money in our travel and our health. And that's one way, that's one practice. So it's, but the, the main practice is, is on some level how I'm spending my money and how money is coming in aligned with my values. So always remembering what that, those are. Hmm. Yeah. Obviously health and, it's so... and, uh, health and travel are, are, are a value. <laughs> and art and, um, right. and my children. I love how you're demonstrating how it changes, how it changes too at different phases in your life as we become mothers and grandmothers and our, our bodies yes. and our life constellations um, change. It's really important to to adapt our budgets and to to regularly reflect on what is most important. Um, let's talk a little bit about what, um, well, tell me more about like listeners might be interested in your workbook or if they are um, more coaches or um, therapists themselves, your book. Um, tell me a little bit more about how they could get that and what um, they might find in there. Oh, thanks for asking. Um, I would say the first book we wrote was for therapists and counselors. We have two um, businesses in California that are, I live in Seattle, but in California that are um, substance abuse, um, uh, so that we have substance abuse counselors and clients uh, oriented. Um, so we originally had thought that, but then because I'm a therapist, um, I wanted to make sure that um, that I contributed to that field and to anyone else who's, uh, who's a helping professional. Um, so the book is um, made for, as, a, as has, what we wrote it to be helpful to uh, therapists and counselors to have them feel more comfortable talking about money to their clients. Let's put it that way. Um, it's, it's, um, uh, one of the things we noticed is that talking about money, and you know this, I'm sure, very clearly, is, is really uh, controversial, a, a taboo. Uh, my, my, always, my anecdote about that is when I, I, I would meet with couples or clients, they could tell me everything about their sex life, but if I ask them about money, they say it's none of my business. You know, it's really more sacred mm-hmm. than money. Uh, and, and the other thing that we discovered and, um, is that therapists aren't, <laughs> they're people too. So um, when I, we were going around to different, um, you know, doing seminars and doing uh, trainings to, uh, you know, marriage and family counselors and uh, psychotherapists, um, their money isn't necessarily in great order. So this was really a way to have that field be comfortable with their own money and their own financial independence so that they could, in fact, be able to share that. And I'll give you an example. Um, I don't, I'm not talking about speaking as a financial advisor, but when you're a therapist and the client uh, bounces a check, um, asks you if they could uh, backdate a check, um, Mrs. Meeting, you know, you know something's up. So mm-hmm. to be able to feel free to say, hey, I've noticed these things happening. Would you like a referral to someone or some place that you could go? One of the great referrals that I used as a, a therapist was referring people to Debtors Anonymous and uh, Business Debtors Anonymous, which is a free 12-step group that's either in your in the person's town or is online. Uh, uh, so that was uh, something I could do to refer people. So it's really, if we have taboos about money as helping professionals, we're not going to address the, the whole situation with a client. It, it's not something we'd even think of. So as my awareness became more, um, more clear, then it was clearer to me uh, when I saw the signs of someone who might be struggling. 
And then the workbook is uh, exactly that. It's a workbook that goes uh, a companion to um, the, the, the book, the original book, to um, go through either within a group or uh, working with an individual client. Mm. And how they can get it is uh, going to our website, which is www.wealthwellbeing.com. And, um, you know, every, all the information is on that website, including a PayPal, if that's what people are interested in doing. Um, Great. Oh, I love that um, both, yeah, both. I feel like we need the, the story and the book and the, the words and then also the practical activities and workbook for self-reflection. I think that's a brilliant, um, brilliant tool for people. I really encourage people to uh, check that out and um, order a copy from Suzanne from the website there, um, so let's end they could with, also, you know, uh, we're sorry, about... Uh, sorry, yeah? Crystal, they can also just email me. I mean, that, that would be the most direct approach as well. Just, so if they don't want to go through and do PayPal, they can email me. So, And my email... Oh, great. Um, and, uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead and tell us. <laughs> it's uh, Suzanne Lorenz at gmail.com. That's the easiest one. I have a lot of them. I, we also have a wealth of Gmail that... It's easier to discuss directly to me. Awesome. We'll put one of those in the in the post here. Um, so for the last few minutes here, since we'll be um, teaching this course together, Find Your Money um, Voice here coming up, Let's. Uh, I'd love to hear your perspective on why talking about money is so important and also why group work is so effective for transforming our relationship with money. Yeah, great. Thank you. My very for one of my favorite topics, but um, it's important because we all have we all have prejudice. Um, I can't tell you how many people uh, have still ingrained in their thinking or their that money is evil. I don't know where that's a silly Bible verse <laughs> that uh, rich man can't go through something an, an eye of the needle or something, <laughs> but. So it's important right. to understand our prejudice about money and that money is a means, it's an energy, it's not the end, money is just a symbol, all of that. So that's important to be able to clear that. So we have to be able to be clear and honest and uh, present to determine what plan our life, what's the plan for our life and how can money support that plan. And we have to know our values, how to align money with them, um, and essentially we have to be able to talk about this with others um, and with being able to, it's a complex situation trying to figure out how to make money work for us and be empowered by that. So we need to educate ourselves um, about how money works, its purpose, uh, its history, and not be alone in this um, patriarchal culture that we presently live in, which I think is changing. Uh, might be my theory, might be part of the the real stress that we're going through, and how we can be aligned with our success. So, so support is really essential, whether it's in an established group like um, the twelve step groups, whether it's um, uh, this uh, uh, more more uh, like a credit counseling, any way you can go to get a clarity and truth, or whether it's just getting a book you love, grabbing some, studying the book. That's like, uh, that's like one of the best ways. It's just getting your group of women, well, of friends, of people of like mind, and just educating. Sorry, I know you're running out of time. Oh, it's okay. We can go a few minutes past here. Um, this is so juicy, isn't it? I mean, we've both seen the incredible transformation that happens for people individually when they're in a group. I'm amazed at even just a couple hours together and people have these breakthroughs of, you know, emotional tears and, you know, just, wow, I'm not alone in my struggle with money. And just that alone brings such a greater intimacy and I find, you know, especially if there is, like, 
the people who could do a book group with your book and, and over a series of weeks, like, meet and be able to, uh, to develop that intimacy together and know that they're still loved, even when they made that mistake, you know, 10 years ago with money and even though they're still in debt and all these self-judgments that people have, we can really basically build compassion and empathy through the group work and through such a sensitive, intimate topic such as money really does allow us to to open up and get vulnerable and um, accept and love ourselves very deeply and be able to... I've seen people just get more positive momentum in their life because they've really, they don't have these shadows and these doubts and fears weighing on them so heavily about their finances that they are able to actually move forward in a productive way in their life. And um, so any other closing comments here that you have? Well, I would just go, I would just, affirm what you said that the lighter we can be the more confident the more grounded the more secure we're living our life in the way that we feel is valuable the more that opens up uh the energy to have money come flowing in or opportunities or you know there's many times where i've set a goal of wanting to acquire a thing or an experience and um and had that as a and not had a clue of how to get it, but had it open up and then found that uh, it manifested in a way that I would never under, understood. And sometimes it's free or somebody's just giving it away so, or somebody gives me their experience. So, yeah, it's a lightning that really helps that flow. As, as we know, money is uh, liquid. It's fluid. So. And thank mm-hmm. you so much for asking me to speak today. Mm, yeah. I I so appreciate this intergenerational exchange, you know, that you're almost twice my age and we have, you know, very different life circumstances and uh, societies that we were brought into and different challenges and opportunities. And I just love finding the common ground and the understanding between us and um, as as women of different generations and encourage people to really have these conversations and let this um, conversation with Suzanne and I inspire you to um, get vulnerable and be authentic with others in a safe uh, way so that we can um, all heal from this money trauma um, that that has happened in our country and just be um, willing to have greater clarity and really um, acknowledge how valuable we are. That is my um, desire for, for this coming year and for all women who are listening who are stepping into their power and moving past fear and doubt and hiding into greater financial um, sovereignty, being able to really um, more mindfully manage our money, to generate greater income, to really look at where we are spending our money and make sure that's in alignment with our value and being able to provide not only for our children and grandchildren, but also for um, our inner elder and acknowledging the importance of, of that kind of planning. So uh, what a delightful conversation today. I so appreciate your wisdom and experience and uh, perspective on the, the human condition, um, Suzanne, and just really look forward to, uh, to doing this course with you. Thank you so much. You've made my day. It's really it's been a, a lovely, and I appreciate your, your commitment and your service to, into this. So, and I'm looking forward to the mm. course, too. That'll be, that'll be really fun. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. I uh, So I encourage everyone to take an action step today of some sort and really use this to get some momentum, whether it's looking into um, getting a workbook, a course, journaling on your money trauma, looking into Debtors Anonymous, 
or possibly the course that we're offering for women, um, I uh, just encourage people to take some action to get greater, greater clarity and uh, define financial success on your own terms this year. All right. Happy New Year. Thank you, Suzanne. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to subscribe to the show and rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Be sure to visit www.moneymorphosis.com. That's money-m-o-r-p-h-o-s-i-s.com to join the growing community of empowered women who are dedicated to creating the true wealth they deserve.